What's up? It's me, Alex, and this is What's the Deal? Um, that is a working title for right now. Every time I say it, I'm like, mm, should I change that to something else? But it's just, just, it was the first thing that came to my mind, so I figured I'd run with it, right? They, they say, most people say, you know, just go with your gut, right? Your first reaction usually is right. So, uh, but we'll see, you know. Um, this podcast is going to have a lot of audio clips. Um, and so I didn't release one yesterday because, you know, I have to obviously record myself talking and then set up all the audio clips and, you know, make sure everything kind of fits together and then do some audio editing and uh, all that stuff. And it takes a couple hours. And uh, Monday nights just are not conducive for that. So here we are. Um, and so what I want to make kind of a common thing is uh, talking, at least th- start off by talking about something that I, uh, that I hate, uh, that I just generally don't like. I guess hate's kind of a strong word because um, it's more on me than anything. Um, but I don't know how many people out there use two-factor authentication for, uh, I guess, anything that requires you to log in. Um, But I use Google Authenticator for some things. And uh, one of them is my job. I there's a, you know, I sign in with a username and password, but then I have to also type in the code that Google Authenticator gives me. And there are little like circles that spin around, you know, that kind of give you a rough idea of how much time you have left. and then the code will change. Um, and that's constantly happening regardless if you're watching it or not. And, you know, you, you might be like, well, why do you hate that? That seems, you know, fine for, you know, two-factor application. What I hate about it is that it's like the circle, right? Like, why can't you just tell me how many seconds left I have until it rolls over? Because multiple times I've pulled it up um, and it's not obvious, the circle, especially when it gets towards the end. Uh, you can barely kind of tell it's there. And I'll start typing in the code, and then it'll change to something else mid-type. So i got to you know, backspace and start all over. A very minor thing to complain about, very first-world problem, right? Um, I understand that. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's not a problem, all right? And I think it should be addressed. If I uh, was the product owner for... Uh, this kind of this app for Google, that's something I would implement because I have other authenticator apps. I can pull those if I can look. Um, so uh, there's other application. Um, yeah, this doesn't. Yeah, I mean at least this one's a little bit better. It's called Authy, just Auth with a Y. And uh, at the top of whatever you're using, there's a, a bar that goes down. That's way easier to tell how much time you have left. Still, I would like a physical uh, time limit. Um, but the best one, um, if I can find it, yeah, is, uh, this, I, is secure ID. Uh, secure without the E and then ID. It has, not only has it this graphical like uh, ring that kind of gets shorter and shorter, but in the middle of the ring, 
and has a number of seconds left with this code. Very useful. Um, and I think there's one more I have because, you know, my job uh, requires a lot. Of, okay, no. So this one, I, I don't have anything on here. But all I'm asking for is give me how many seconds left because I, I don't, just looking at a, a, a circle that kind of like a pie chart that just kind of gets smaller. I, I, I can't really like, especially if I happen to open it and it's towards the end, it's practically like unnoticeable. And so I really hate typing in the first three letters. I'm going to type in the, or numbers and then, and then type in the next three and then, then the switch is over. So I got a backspace and start over. Um, very, uh, in, you know, it's just inconvenient, I guess. At, at worst, it's inconvenient. Um, but nonetheless, it's something that I hate. Um, so I figured I'd start off with that. And then uh, last podcast, I think, I, I pulled up some interesting, um, like, threads from Reddit, uh, from different subreddits. And uh, I didn't pick a bunch this time. I didn't want. I don't want to overuse that as a as a content source, um, but it is pretty good content, and I'll and I'll probably uh, look around for for some more. But the first one is like it's sad but relatable, um, so it kind of makes it funny. I don't know if that makes sense, but the question is, and it's Ask Men. Right, so it's just dudes talking to dude, dudes being guys, you know. Uh, it says, fellas, when you use the bathroom at work, do you prefer to stand or sit when you cry? And so I'll say, um, I, ha I, I will admit uh, humbly that I've, cr I've cried at work before. I've also cried in you know, my own house, my own bathroom. Um, and I sit. Who wants to stand and cry? right um that isn't really uh yeah the first comment on here says uh if i could i'll just sort by the top ready comment so this guy says i'm unemployed i get to cry anywhere i want uh good point um this said started as a standard stander crier but as i got older sitting seems the way to go the crushing weight of work is bad for the knees. Got to look after yourself. I agree. Uh, it says, I prefer to lay face down on the floor. I wouldn't go that far, you know, in a bathroom, even in my own bathroom. Uh, there's just not enough space. Uh, otherwise, I might consider it. Um, this guy has bring up a good point. I mean, if this is the way you do it, it seems totally valid. He says he always stands and with his hand on the wall, holding it up. Kind of like... Uh, those scenes where people are sad in the shower and the water is pushing down on their head as they're looking down they put a hand up on the wall that uh that makes sense uh this this guy says you can cry stop bragging um this guy says internalize it that's bad advice um but the 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 best if i sort by best i don't know what is considered best um uh, I lost it. I, yeah, I just think that that sitting is the way to go, right? Like standing takes energy and takes effort. Um, 
this guy says fetal position. So there's more than one, 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 one way to cry in the bathroom at work or at, and I'm adding this criteria at your home. Um, so, but I mean, like crying at work, that, uh, that sucks. That sucks that people are, you know, are going through that. Um, but there are 20,000 upvotes on this. You know, some of them might be because they think it's funny or whatever. It's lighthearted, I guess, about something that's kind of serious. But um, it makes me feel better knowing that there are a lot of people out there who have cried at work. Um, and then what they're, uh, how they execute that crying is different from person to person. So I appreciate uh, Stiv Biko is the poster here. Um, the next one, not so funny or relatable. Uh, I could have made this something that I hate. <clears throat> so I'll read um, the title and then I'll read his post. Uh, it's uh, and it has 34,000 upvotes, right? So, you know, if you're not familiar with Reddit, um, it's, you know, the, the meme or I guess their own self-titled I guess catchphrase is that they're the front page of the internet. I, 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 there is no front page of the internet. Like, get over yourself. Doesn't mean I don't use Reddit. Uh, I use Reddit mostly for like sports and uh, like cool and funny memes, pretty much. Not for like actual news. If you go to Reddit and you go to slash news or world news or slash politics or anything, um, you're only going to get one side. Uh, you're not really going to get a very, it is, it, it, it is an echo chamber. So I would highly not, I mean, you can go there and read them, but then also try to go somewhere else that doesn't, you know, fall into those same things. That was a tangent, but here's the post in casual conversation. This guy, uh, called unlucky worker. Um, you know, interesting name. He says, I hope masks stick around after Corona. Um, you know, and I, obviously I guess he means, you know, COVID-19, coronavirus. Uh, and, and then in his like post, his follow-up to that is like, unlike most of my family, I love wearing a mask. You're a weirdo. I think it's a great accessory and I don't have to worry what half my face looks like. That I can relate to, all right? One thing I, I did love about the mandatory mask mandate, uh, if, if I could find something that I loved about it, was that uh, I could walk around the grocery store and openly mouth breathe, which is socially unacceptable, and it is totally fine. No one can tell. Um, I, recently, I recently got some really nice fitting black masks, and I feel better than ever in my outfits. Um, I hope in places like America, masks can start to be considered normal. Feel like you might be coming down with a cold, but have no choice but to go to the grocery store, wear a mask. Having an off day and want to cover your face, wear a mask. Uh, have a nice mask that fits your outfit. Wear that bad boy. At the very least, I hope in progressive areas it can be normalized. I just think that'd be neat. Um, so a few things. Maybe, maybe just one thing but it'll have like, I guess, subtopics. I'm not sure. This is off the dome. I, I never have a script for any of these things. It's my reaction uh, to this. Um, so I think like 
you feel like you might be coming down with a cold, um, but you need to go to the grocery store, wear a mask. The masks that are generally available at the store, online, that are the general public gets access to, um, I guess they are they, they are meant to stop the the transmission, but it's not like a hundred percent effective. Um, but what I don't like is the, this. He doesn't outright say it, but there is like this. When he says, I hope masks stick around, I don't know if he just means culturally or whatever. Um, I kind of interpret what he's saying as like, I want them to be mandated forever, which I don't want. And I, I can't relate to wanting to wear a mask after anything. Um, but the I have a cold and I have no choice to go to the grocery store, wear a mask. Uh, we, I mean... Before all this, people had colds and went out. You know what I mean? Or generally, they would just stay home. Um, but if like you're like single and you have no choice, um, and food and you know grocery delivery wasn't a thing, um, a like getting a cold doesn't last. I mean, for most people, generally, it doesn't last you know, that long. It's a couple days or whatever. The flu is not like it's some sort of like months long disease. Um, but before all this, I'm sure there are plenty of people who went out to the grocery store uh, with a cold or some sort of illness, some minor illness. And uh, maybe they got other people sick, maybe they didn't. Um, but the fact still remains that Masks have only been kind of mandated in the in this most recently over the last year or two, and then before that, like never. And everything was fine. If if I look up a graph, graph of American life expectancy. Let's see. Yeah, okay. So, in 1950, can I change the year? Can I go to 1900? Nope, it's just 50 years. So, in 2021, the current life expectancy is uh, almost 79 years. That is crazy. But... If we look at life expectancy in 1950, it was 68. And we scroll all the way up to, let's say, like 2008, it was, it's 78. Uh, let's go to 2000, a nice round number. 76.75, basically 77 years. So we go from 68.14, which I would round down to as just 68, in 50 years, we got all the way up to 77. And then from 2000 to now, we're at 78.99. And then the UN projections go further into the future. Um, and they, they predict 
there i mean it's kind of crazy when you look at a historical like annual percent change it's all over the place uh but their projections are pretty flat but the projections just keep getting higher where in 2100 when i guess global warming is supposed to annihilate uh mankind um life expectancy in the united states would be 88 could you imagine now there are other countries that have higher life expectancy um but i wouldn't want to live there um because people will bring that up about the the nordic uh like sweden and norway and denmark and whatever they'll be like they live longer blah blah um when you live in a free society uh you're free to act really dumb and acting really dumb sometimes will kill you so you know americans die more frequently like a much higher number in car crashes than any other country why would well, what the crap what's that, what's that all about it's because we have more cars right we're the richest nation in the world most everyone has a car so when you have a lot of people on the roads just statistically there's going to be crashes um i i this is a tangent again i am personally in favor of having some sort of like reevaluation. i mean a lot of certificates and and uh and things like that that you get in life they don't last forever right um you know just from my own personal experience there have been certifications i've gotten for certain things and they only last like three years and then you have to pay and take the test again and get a certificate that lasts another three years i feel like uh when you're 16 and you get your driver's license you take the driver test and then you just never have to do that again um that's kind of crazy because while you're 15 you're like driving with your parents and you're practicing and that's all you're thinking about you're excited you're studying you're you're ready to go you know you what what ucla means you're like you're ready you know all the answers but i mean as soon as like 30 40 50 like are those people as good drivers as teenagers um they're probably better but i mean we could probably weed out some of these people that cause uh fatal car crashes by just reinstituting some sort of like it doesn't have to be as every three years it could just be like every decade or i don't know you pick some sort of milestone and you have to be reevaluated. it doesn't have to be a full-blown driver's test it can be a different form of a driver's test but like to get an idea of your your driving skills and ability at that time and and there's other ways to determine it other than just an in-person test you could look at you know um your insurance information you could look at just you know citations and tickets that you've gotten from the police you could look at the history of accidents that you've been in and have been declared at fault for all kinds of stuff um but that's just like that that's cars but like food um a lot of places the government really has a strict 
control and a strict hold on uh, what you can eat and what you can't eat. And it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's either a hard mandate or it's sort of a soft, um, like it's a cultural, like, thing. You know what I mean? But in America, you eat whatever you want. You want to eat McDonald's, get Big Macs every day, all day? Go for it, homie. You want to do that and not exercise and die when you're 45? By all means, go for it. It's America. Do what you want. That's the whole point. It's America, right? Uh, you know, like violent crime, homicides. We have a Second Amendment that allows people to keep and bear arms. Um, murder is illegal. People still do it. Um, the, but the solution is not, well, just ban guns. Um, because we ban murder, and those still happen. We ban a lot of things, and all of those things still happen, right? I've never, there's never been a law or some sort of ban on something, and then it's just like, it stopped, you know? It definitely, there would be a black market for the, those things or that service or whatever. Um, so this, going back to the original post, I don't relate to this at all. I, I hate wearing my, my mask. I am a very sweaty person in general. I just sweat, you know? You know, we, I could be having a, 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 an emotional conversation. Um, not like, you know, we're confessing our sins and we're connecting. Like, it could just be somewhat emotional uh, or personal or I'm, I'm being vulnerable. And I sweat up a storm. I go to restaurants and I sit in a booth and the seats are leather. I know, A, my butt's going to be sweaty and my back probably is going to have like some sweat marks. There used to be a huge sense of insecurity for me, um, but now I've come to accept it because I can't help it. I can't choose not to sweat. And, and I know sweating is supposed to like reduce your temperature, but like it's very uncomfortable. I wish evolution would have gone a different direction on how to uh, normalize body temperature. Um, but, you know, me being just a naturally sweaty person, um, and I live in the South where it gets up to 150,000 degrees outside and the heat index is uh, 200,000 degrees. Um, Walking around outside is hard enough. And then I'm wearing a mask on top of it that basically traps all the hot air that I'm breathing out on my face. I get even, I get even more sweaty, dripping with sweat. It's awful. So no, I, I do not hope masks stick around. If I have a cold and I need to go to the grocery store, I'm not wearing a mask. Too bad. Uh, if I get you, I mean, I'm not going to try to run around and sneeze on people or, or like rub my boogers on them or breathe on them or whatever. Um, you know, keep my distance, get in, get out real fast. I mean, nowadays like, you just, I can just order groceries, so it's not even really a, a, pro a problem anymore. Um, but I won't wear a mask, um, because it's uncomfortable for me. Um, I mean, you could, I mean, you could apply this logic to a lot of different things when it comes to the safety of other people around you, right? Um, we should, and I talked about this in the, uh, the infrastructure bill that got passed, 
unfortunately. And, you know, we could say, well, uh, from now on, every car manufacturer, well, not even that, not even starting now, but let's say every car in America, because uh, you have to have insurance when you have a car, you just have to. Um, <clears throat> it's a new requirement from the government passed down to insurance companies that, that the people that they insure, they have to install a device that will detect how fast they are driving and GPS to know where they are so that they know what the speed limit is on that road. And if you go faster than that, it, it'll, it'll slow you down or it just won't let you go faster than that. I mean, you could be like, I hope, uh, yeah, that sounds great. It makes, makes everyone safe. Uh, that sounds terrible, you know? There's a difference between if the speed limit's 50, I'm going 55, 57. There's a difference between that and going 80 in a 50. You know what I mean? So, no, I don't think uh, masks should stick around. <clears throat> Next, I want to play a clip. Uh, most, I think most people know who Steve Harvey is. He's, I think, mostly known for Family Feud. But the man used to be a comedian. And I think I knew that, but I've never watched any of his stuff. So randomly on YouTube, there's a clip of him. I'm not going to spoil what he's talking about. I'm going to let him talk about it. And uh, I'm going to react because I love his attitude. And it just it shows how dated it is because nowadays no one would feel this way. Um, and I'll, I'll make a point about that too. But uh, yeah, here's Steve Harvey doing a little bit of stand-up. Hopefully it's, you find it funny, and then I'll, I'll provide my reaction. And uh, hopefully that doesn't like, ruin the moment. You may not agree with what I'm about to say, but damn it, I think he did it. I think OJ killed everybody in that goddamn driveway. Tried to kill that dog, too. Dog had blood on his ass. He was just too quick for OJ's ass. So I'll tell you a couple things make me think he did it. First of all, like my daddy always say, stick to what you do. You a football player? Hell, play football. If you don't know how to commit murder, damn it, don't do it. So obviously he's, he's talking about O.J. Simpson, which I wasn't, I don't think, I, mean, I might have been a baby or I wasn't born at all when this was happening. Uh, I've never watched an O.J. highlight, you know, um, but, uh, spoiler alert, uh, he was found not guilty. Um, and a part that I was going to include in there, but then I, I, I think I ended up not, it might be in the second clip, but, um, the, the media, I, I do know just, you know, I don't know, I'm a knowledgeable person that the media really spun up a frenzy trying to make this a race issue, right? Uh, the only reason that he would be arrested for something like this or incarcerated for something like this is because he's black. And, and then uh, what, I, what I love about the end of the clip that I just played is that he said something that my daddy always used to say, stick to what you're good at, you know what I mean? And uh, when, when you really look into the OJ case, which maybe I'll do, in a future podcast, get into the nitty gritty de de details. Um, but one thing that I remember uh, was that his big, like, I don't know, 
argument, a big like, gotcha, I didn't do it, is uh, uh, the glove that, you know, is part of evidence that they say he wore to kill his, you know, his wife and, I don't know, other people, I guess, uh, didn't fit. That was, that was their big gotcha. And so I know, uh, you know, talking to people who actually lived through that time and, and, and remember um, what the culture and the media was like back then, um, they really did make it a racial thing. And the conclusion that I've heard over and over again is that um, the, the prosecution did just a bad job. Um, O.J. obviously had really good defense lawyers, um, but the prosecution just didn't make a good case. And in, a, in America, the jury has to all decide unanimously that you're guilty. Um, if one person can't decide or decides the other way, you're free to go. Um, or it's a hung jury. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, Steve Harvey, being a black guy, uh, did not buy into the, the, the race-baiting media uh, and uh, really, really did think that uh, O.J. did it. And so I'm going to play another clip from the same stand-up uh, that kind of goes into to more uh, depth. But before I play the clip, I do want to warn, because I usually keep it pretty, uh, pretty clean, you know. Uh, there is a, a li just a, li a little, little saltiness, you know, a little taste, a little, little spice of uh, profanity. Um, but I think it kind of, you know, brings a point home. And, and, you know, I don't like, and this is a tangent, but... I don't generally like people and or comedians that, you know, one of their major sticks is that they curse to like shock you. You know what I mean? Because um, there are there are tons of and that, that that's a sign of an untalented comedian. Because Jerry Seinfeld made that decision. He was like, I am not gonna curse, and he's hilarious. So that that takes some real talent. You know what I mean? All right. So I'm gonna play the clip. But I just want to throw that warning out beforehand. So now, I ain't picketing for no damn body. I ain't getting out there carrying no sign. Kiss my ass, I tell you that right now. Oh, I might go down there and pick it, but you ain't gonna like what's on my sign. Cause I'm gonna have fuck OJ on both sides. I just thought it was, that was a, that was a funny clip, uh, a funny little bit. And, uh, and, uh, and, because I don't want the, the podcast to be like hours long, I, I made the executive decision um, to, to leave out a part. <clears throat> but there, there is a, there's a, a segment in, the, in this bit that he's doing um, where he, he's commenting on the fact that the media is trying to like spin it up as a racial thing. And he's like, no. He's like, I don't care if you're black, blue, yellow, purple. If you murder somebody, you gots to go. It's just because you're black doesn't mean I'm gonna I'm gonna defend you. Uh, you got to go, and uh, it's kind of crazy that that you know was what how he thought, and you know, obviously the crowd thought it was funny and it was fine. Um, you know, so this might be a little controversial, but um, you know, there are a lot of people who are black. And are celebrated or defended 
um, when they literally committed violent crimes, you know? And so I have another clip. It's, a, it's, it's like a comedy-based clip. It's, it's, it's a little short. And again, there's some profanity in it, you know? Um, but it makes it funny to me. So if you want to skip the next like minute or so or, or whatever, um, you can, but uh, I will think less of you. So here, here's the, here's kind of uh, what I, my point I'm trying to make in a nutshell in sort of a, a comedic format. Man, fuck 12 on the dead homies, cuz. Free my nigga Biscuit, cuz. Biscuit in jail? Wow, free my nigga, bro. What did he do? Cuz lost in the game of 21 at the park, so cuz shot the park up. Yeah. Then he caught a bitch snitching to the feds on the phone, so he kidnapped her baby, cuz. He kidnapped a baby? Then the pigs pulled up, cuz let off on three cops. Pew, 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 pew. He kidnapped a baby? Cuz stole a car and got on, cuz. A baby. They chase cuz, spin cuz car out, pull him out the car and start beating his ass for no reason. What? For no reason? Cuz do not deserve to be in jail, cuz. Free my nigga, cuz. Fuck the police. Yo, cuh. shut your dumb ass up. He deserved to be under the jail in a fucking box. Stop saying free the homie for niggas who deserve to be in jail. And so I just thought that was pretty funny because it is, it's very common. Um, I mean, I, I've heard it a lot throughout my life, you know. You know, free my, free my man this or that. And they'd be like, man, what do you do? Uh, he raped somebody or he committed an armed robbery or some other violent crime. And you're like, uh, no, don't free him. Like, he should be in jail. And so I felt like that clip kind of uh, reiterated the point that Steve Harvey was trying to make is that um, like he should, he should be buried under the jail. Don't free him. Uh, he, like, and he kept repeating, he kidnapped a baby. And then the other guy says like, they beat, the cops took him out of a stolen vehicle after you know, shooting at them and started beating him up for no reason. And he was like, no reason? No reason. Oh, so I thought that was funny. I thought that was uh, pretty clever, and um, and just yeah, just funny. But it's like the only the reason things are funny in general is because there's a strain of truth in there, um, and I think a lot of people, and also just black people in general. Um, they they missed this point and the reason i said black just now instead of african-american uh was because i was converted into a different way of thinking by uh this guy named larry elder who is uh black and uh running for governor of california as they recall newsom um he did an interview like five years ago um so pretty long time ago um, with Dave Rubin, and I love Dave Rubin now, but back then he's, he considered himself like a kind of a classic liberal. He's still on the left, but he doesn't like the direction it's going in, so he's conflicted. So he's kind of going through this like uh, intellectual transition period. Um, you know, you fast forward five years to today, uh, he considers himself a conservative. So, um, but in this interview, he's still very much a part of the left, and and. Uh, I'm going to play a clip 
from it and uh, kind of explaining why Larry Elder doesn't like the term African-American uh, and prefers to be called black. Uh, I want to get this right, so I want to look at my notes for this. According to this, uh, you are black. Is that, <laughs> is that correct? That I'm is look, correct. That is correct. Okay. Not, not African-American. That's not a term I like. You, how come you don't like the term African-American? Ridiculous. I was born and raised in, in America. I've never been to Africa. Uh, how, why am I an African-American? Most of my people have been here longer than most of other, other, the other people in this room, uh, yet most people don't have a hyphen. Uh, you know, I, I'm an Italian-American, Greek-American, Rom Romanian-American. It's an absurd term. It's a term that Jesse Jackson almost single-handedly cram crammed down the throat of our media and after Jackson began to talk about why uh, blacks should uh, have some connection to Africa, all of a sudden, New York Times, LA Times, all of the media began using that expression. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally don't use the term African-American that much because one time I had a guest on the show and I referred to her as African-American. She said, well, I'm actually Jamaican. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So I guess that, that goes to your point. And, so, and, I, and I remember reading one time, Dave, somebody uh, uh, was given a description of some suspect uh, who had uh, done some crime, was running away, uh, and uh, he was described as an African-American. How do you know where he was from? Could have right. been from Africa, could have been from Jamaica, could have been from Canada. So what, what, do you make, what, what do you make of that when someone like, because I know you really rail against Jesse Jackson and, and these guys on the left that use, and I want to talk a lot about identity politics. Okay. So the guys that use these phrases, what, what are they going for there? Well, what, what is the goal there? The, the, the goal is to tell black people that we're victims. So I feel like he makes some great, some great points. Uh, some obvious points. Uh, I didn't really know about the Jesse Jackson thing. I, I, I would have to Google more about that. But the general point that he is making is that he doesn't like the term African-American. He doesn't like the term, I mean, just like he doesn't like the term Italian-American or whatever. I mean, you're an American. If you're an you know, American citizen, you're an American. Uh, I can't remember who had said it. It might have been Larry Elder later on in this interview, is that one of the great things about America is that when you just pick a random person from the American population and ask them where they're from, you ask some stranger, where's this person from? You would, I mean, I guess you would, you would assume America because that's where they, you live and that, you would assume that's where they live, but you don't know. You really don't know. And so trying to divide people up into like African-American, like I don't refer to myself as like Polish-American because my mom's side of the family came from Poland, right? I just, I'm just white, right? And that makes sense to everybody, right? When I fill out, uh, you know, applications for jobs and stuff and they need, uh, for the government, they, they need, you know, demographic information about yourself, there is no, well, I'm Greek-American or I'm French-American or, or even Polish-American. It just says uh, either you're, you're not Hispanic, uh, which is one of the options, and then later on it'll say just white. So what, why, is there, why is there a distinction between black and African-American? And then the point he makes about uh, a, a suspect being reported as African-American, you know? How do you know where he's from, where she or he is from? Uh, they, like he said, could be Africa, could be just American. Um, why not just say black? 
It's, that is a description of skin color, right? You could say light-skinned. You could say darker-skinned black. You could say all kinds of stuff. But to, to say African-American implies that it's a dude from Africa. Um, it also has the double meaning of he, he's black, but he, he could also be Jamaican. And like he said, he could also be Canadian because there are black people there too. So um, I thought that was, that was a good, I had never really thought about it that way. You know, I never really had a problem with like uh, the, you know, calling people. I never really know when I'm talking to a black person. It's, it's not like it comes up very often. Um, like, oh, African-American or black. I mean, the last time I spoke to somebody who was black that I didn't know, it was a stranger to me, and so we were, I introduced myself and I, and I wanted to ask him because he happened to be a police officer in Atlanta and he's black. And so I wanted to ask him about his experience as a black cop in these times, especially in Atlanta. And so I asked him, you know, like, should I say African-American? He was like, call me black, man. So uh, it's, it's not just Larry Elder that thinks these things. It's, uh, it seems to be a lot of people. Next clip I want to play is from, from later on in the interview, but not that much later on. Um, and it's uh, Dave Rubin and, and Larry Elder talking about systemic, systemic racism. And I think Larry does a really good job and asks, a very good question that not very many people would ask. Not very many people. Not very many politicians ask this. They just kind of, I guess, accept it and move on. Uh, they'll deny it, I guess, but they'll just—that's about it. You know, that's the most resistance they'll put up. And I think this back and forth uh, illustrates how the conversation should go, right? Larry Larry Elder is definitely on the offensive in this regard. And Dave Rubin is not prepared to have this conversation, even though he, you know, set the, I mean, he set what they were going to talk about beforehand. He clearly was not ready for, for this kind of response. So I'm going to play it for you. And then um, I'm going to provide some data uh, that kind of backs up what he's saying. So, but you wouldn't not acknowledge that there are some systemic issues. Give, give me an example. G tell me what you think the most systemic racist issue is. What is it? Well, I would say that because black people in most cases, in many cases, were descendants of slaves, that racism as, a, as an institution, that it just, a certain amount of it just exists. In 2015? I, it, that it, give me the most blatant racist example you can come up with right now. Um, I think you could probably find evidence that in general, cops are, that, that cops are more willing to shoot if the uh, perpetrator is black. What's your data? So my first observation is when Larry Elder uh, <clears throat> kind of asks Dave point blank, what is the most blatant? I mean, if it's so, if, if, when you say something is systemic, right? That means it's inherent to the system. It's built in. It is potentially the purpose of the system. So he's saying, if it's everywhere around us, we're, we're surrounded by this, um, give me an example. And then Dave, you know, I mean, how many like qualifiers can you put into one response? You know, probably in general, maybe, you know, he doesn't seem very confident, you know, because, you know, he doesn't really believe what he's saying. 
Um, and so the the clip ends with, uh, you know, what data do you do you have? You know, back it up. You know, you're making this claim. Um, you got to back it up with something. That's also a, a response that, that that more people should have. But it takes courage to do that, right? Because it puts, because they're they're talking to each other and they're not necessarily debating out of like anger or emotion. Obviously, Larry cares about this a lot. But it's not like he uh, hates Dave. I mean, uh, I think like a year later, he goes back on his show and Dave acknowledges that he got uh, smacked around. And uh, he thanks Larry because it, made, it was the video was very popular. Uh, so, you know, they're friends, you know. But, you know, when someone just says something, right, you know, and they don't really cite any sources. And the reason I didn't, because he goes on to cite the, the stats on, you know, cops shooting black people, um, but it's just him saying it. Right? What, what are what are you supposed to get from that? So, I went to. Um, our, this is arguably the best database on police uh, fatal shootings in the United States, um, according to uh, an, another website that I had read. Um, I think, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember what website, but the Washington Post has a police shootings database that's available for everybody, um, to look at. And so you can search, um, by state, gender, race, age, mental illness, weapon, body cameras are there. Were they fleeing? What year was it? You can search by name. <clears throat> and so what I did is I went in and I said, show me how many unarmed black people were shot and killed in 2020. Just 2020. I, you know, I, I could pick 2021, but the year's not over yet. So I want to get like a complete, you know, because 2020 is when, you know, George Floyd died. You know, that, that was the pinnacles. That was the, the summer of BLM riots. That was, it was a big year. And so, um, and if, if you can, so I bet you if I gave you like 100 guesses, you, would, you wouldn't uh, come close or, or, or get it right. Um, but in 2020, 18 people, 18 unarmed black people were shot. And then it lists all 18. And a lot of these are bad. You know what I mean? I mean, if I just click on this one, um, I mean, yeah, I would say a majority of these shootings probably are not justified. And it's one of those things where the cop panicked and shot somebody. Um, I'm not trying to defend these those people, but uh, every single one of these people, well, it's a little different. This one lists Brianna Taylor uh, in here, um, and so it says, according to officials, Brianna Taylor was killed while Louisville Metro officers were serving a warrant in Springfield at 1 a.m. Uh, I don't know why cops serve warrants late at night, I guess, like, make sure you're home and catch you off guard. I don't know. 
Um, so officials say they knocked on the door, and before forcing their way inside, they say they said they were immediately met with gunfire. And so, obviously, they're going to shoot back. Um, and so she was an unfortunate, I guess, bystander. And, uh, yeah, and then there's also an arrest. A Kenneth Walker was arrested and has been charged with attempted murder of a police officer. So turns out that uh, that happened. But even more on Breonna Taylor, you know, why were the cops there to serve the warrant in the first place? You know? The search warrant included Taylor's residence because it was suspected that Glover, which I guess is the owner of the uh, apartment, had been receiving packages containing drugs um, that, were, uh, in, that were pretty large. So you're, they, they, once you get past a certain point, um, you, you cross a line from personal use to uh drug traffickers and so um yeah so i mean basically according to the police and then there's people who uh doubt it but um they had been collecting packages that they knew contained narcotics uh in an affidavit a u.s postal inspector uh said that he had been receiving ad uh packages at this address, and uh, he and he knows through training and experience, it's not uncommon for drug traffickers to receive mail in different locations. Um, and so, they had you know what they thought was enough evidence, and a judge listened, gave them this warrant. Um, this is uh, Jamarcus Glover. Or was uh, um, it says Glover cohabitated with Taylor. So in a variety of statements, Glover said that Taylor had no involvement in the drug operations, and that as a favor, she held money from the proceeds for him. That seems like involvement in the drug operations, but you know, who, what, do I, what do I know? And uh, in different recorded jailhouse conversations, Glover said that Taylor had been handling his money and that she was holding $8,000 of it. Um, and then in recorded conversations, police had no business looking for him at her residence, even though it was known that uh, they had been living together at this place. So... <clears throat> Regardless of the the ins and outs of that shooting, um, she was unarmed and she died. So I, I would count her in this stat, even with the the weird circumstances of it. Um, but that that's eighteen, eighteen people, and it says less than one percent. Uh, let's do a different year. <clears throat> and this says that uh, this database contains records of every fatal shooting in the United States by a police officer in the line of duty since January 1st, 2015. So 
since January 1st, 2015, all the way up until now, if I, if I search just black unarmed, 137 people. Well, let's pick a different year. We'll pick uh, 2019 uh, as 12. Um, pick a different year. Uh, here, this is the highest one that shows up was 2015, 38. So when I when I look at the year-to-year the -year stats, it goes 38, 20, 22, 23, and then, and then it goes down to 12, and then to 18, and then so far through 2021, remind you, uh, we're in August now, uh, it's been four people. You know, and I can click on every story and figure it out. I mean, who knows, you know? But that's that's the the stats that I mean, if we remove black and we replace it with white, and we go to 2021 or uh, 2020, sorry, there were 26 white people shot and killed who were unarmed. Uh, just to remind you, um, black people, it was 18. Uh, white for whites, it was 26. So more, so more white people, more unarmed white people were killed in 2020 than black people. So if the most blatant ex you know, example of systemic racism that Dave could come up with is that maybe, probably, whatever, uh, a, an officer is maybe more likely to shoot somebody if they're black rather than if they're white. The the stats just don't hold that up, really. Um, and if I do since January first, twenty fifteen, it's one hundred seventy four. Um, and if I do black, it's one hundred thirty seven. Again, I'll remind you. Black, 137. White, 174. Um, again, I'm not going to go through all 174 stories and see if, like, you know, it, it was sort of interesting or uh, there was some circumstance that's missing just in these raw, this raw data. But <clears throat> I don't understand if... And I should have downloaded this clip, but Joe Biden had, had said... <clears throat> that the the most lethal force facing Americans today is white supremacy. Like, and again, provides no data, no evidence, no comprehensive argument for that. He just kind of says it and then moves on as if it's like uh, everyone kind of knows this stuff. Um, so yeah, it it's interesting. I'm not saying that that explains away everything, but um, it's like, how do you explain that in the most recent years and overall since 2015, more unarmed white people have been shot and killed by police than unarmed black people? Uh, when, in, in terms of violent crime uh, and crime in general, um, black people commit a majority of crimes. And then of the crimes that they commit, most of those crimes are black on black. Um, so, I don't know. I've talked about this too much. 
let's move on to something uh, a little a little different. You may or may not have heard of this group, but uh, I think it's just Lo Lonely Island. I don't know if, if there's more to the name, but that's how I remember them is Lonely Island. Uh, they made some bangers. They also made some pretty stupid songs, but most of the time it, they're parody and funny songs, but they're original, right? They're not covering anything. They're just being funny. And the people who are in it are genuinely hilarious. I love Andy Samberg. I don't care what you think. Uh, I love um, every movie he's in generally. And so there's a song <clears throat> where, you know, the, the normal guys on the, in the group want to do this like rap song, you know, where they're, they're in the club and they're whatever, they're flexing, whatever. And then they get Michael Bolton to join, be a part of it. Um, and they're like, all right, Michael Bolton, let's go. And uh, in the beginning of the music video, Michael Bolton explains that he just watched all the Pirates of the Caribbean and was blown away by them. And he loves them. They're, they're unbelievable. His favorite movie of all time. And so, you know, it's not, it's not in the clip I'm going to play, but if you, the first part, the first verse, you know, is, is them talking about um, going to the club and stuff like that. I can just read some of the, uh, some of the lyrics. Because I'm not, I'm not gonna download and play um, the verse, the first verse. All right, so the verse one goes, uh, "The night starts now, baby. Roll with us. Chickies snapping at the neck while we rolling up. Club front doors ain't no holding up. Uh, black card at the bar, like I, I gives a f." Um, just so you know, I will play clips where people curse or whatever, and I'll warn you ahead of time, uh, but I won't. Um, so there you go. And then it says, lady shifty eyed when we walk into the set, F the fellas looking jealous, play back and we get wet. So, I mean, it, it's, they're just talking about how great they are at the club. And then Michael Bolton's part, uh, which is the chorus is what I'm going to play for you right now. And it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's very catchy. It's very good in my opinion. Um, but is completely unrelated to what they're singing or rapping about, I guess. So I'm going to play that clip, uh, cause I think it's funny and it's lighthearted compared to what we were just talking about. I don't know how you uh, not listen to that and uh, just like bob along, you know? I mean, first of all, it's Michael Bolden, uh, the GOAT. Uh, the, the, the GOAT of what? Uh, like, I guess backup singing? Uh, whatever. He's a good singer. He's, do he's dope. Uh, but his, his passionate 
singing of the Pirates of the Caribbean is uh, is really funny, and I I genuinely enjoy it, and it makes me happy every time I listen to it. And uh, not to mention, um, it may seem like they're making fun of the movies, you know, but Michael Bolton's not. Um, the pretty much all of the Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe except one, they're all really good. I mean, for me, the one I like the most is the first one. I, I, I mean, that, I don't know. I don't know how they, they, they figured out, you know, we should, we, we should, we, the, we should cast, uh, what's his face? Um, I gotta look it up now. Johnny Depp. That's who they got to play. Captain Jack Sparrow. And one of my favorite quotes from that movie, one of the only ones that I remember, is uh, some British person is talking to him, and he's like, you must be one of the worst pirates I've ever heard of. And then he responds, ah, but you have heard of me. I I don't know. I just like that line. It's well-written and well-directed, and it's genuinely interesting to watch, and I enjoy it. Uh, it, because there's, there is a character arc to Jack Sparrow, right? Starting off, um, kind of being selfish and then learning to not be that way and becoming a better person as time moves along. And that happens in all the movies, you know, he, he continues to have moments where he's a pirate and he's, you know, selfish and then will turn around and, uh, do something really, really um, unselfish for his, you know, one of his friends. So, shout out to that song and shout out to Pirates of the Caribbean. If you've never seen that, what's wrong with you? Go watch it right now. Next, I want to talk about one of my favorite actors of all time. I can say that with confidence, um, and I, I barely have to even really think about it. it is uh, Denzel Washington? He, he's up there with, with like Will Smith for me um i really like him as an actor i think also another actor that's underrated this is a tangent is matthew mcconaughey um that that man can act i mean there was obviously there was interstellar but there was that tv show too um i think he's really good jake gyllenhaal is a very talented actor um but that's besides the point we're talking about denzel and i was just looking through his uh his IMDb um, and what movies he's made. Uh, right, so you think about The Equalizer in The Equalizer 2, right? He is uh, an assassin, a fighter, and he's really good at killing people. And we got Training Day. We got Malcolm X. We got The Book of Eli, which is a great movie, um, I, in my opinion. Um, I really like, I really liked it when I watched it and, uh, he does a great job in that. I mean, he plays a, bl- he's blind, but you don't know it until the very end. And, uh, but when you rewatch it, you're like, you notice him being blind and then fences <clears throat> with, uh, Viola Davis, um, which I, I've heard is pretty good. Um, and you know, you may think of Fences or some of these other movies that he's been in um, as, uh, you know, oh, he's just playing a black guy in a movie. 
Um, but the next clip I want to play is uh, kind of his rebuttal to that comment. And uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm going to play this and uh, give my reaction, as always. So why did he need a uh, black director? Could a white director not have It's not color. Work? It's culture. So explain the difference, because I think we're, we're in a Steven Spielberg right now. did Schindler's List. Mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese did Goodfellas, right? Steven Spielberg could direct Goodfellas. Martin Scorsese probably could have done a good job with Schindler's List. But there are cultural differences, you know. I know, you know, we all know what it is when a hot comb hits your hair on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. what it smells like. Huh? That's a cultural difference, not just a color difference. Right. So it's the culture. I mean, so he lays it out. And it's, a, it's an important distinction. And there are other clips in the future that I'll play of Denzel because he uh, is, a, is a, the Democratic Party's worst nightmare as a, as a black guy who kind of thinks for himself uh, and has his own opinions and makes good points. Um, the interviewer I find kind of, I don't know, I never like, I mean, I'd like calling people dumb, but then I'm like, eh, I'm kind of dumb. So like, how does that really work out? Um, but when she's like, explain the difference between color and culture, like, really do I, you don't know, you, you can't just like figure it out when I say that, like your intuition. I know she's doing it in an interview. So maybe she's kind of like just thinking of a question. So I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, but maybe she's not. That's a dumb follow-up. Uh, and my response would be like, just think about it and then ask me again. Um, but that's really what it comes down to, right? Is uh, how you were brought up, the culture that you were brought up in affects who you are as a person for the rest of your life, right? You know, during your... Your, your really formative years, you know, your, your, you know, 12, 13, your teenage years, all the way up. And so really like your, you know, early twenties, even mid twenties, you know, um, you're really just trying to navigate life, figure out who you are, what that means. What, you, what do you like? What do you not like? Um, and stuff like that. And his, the point that he makes and, and the distinction that he makes about Schindler's List and Goodfellas and stuff is, is a great example. You know what I mean? It's, it, you know, you want your director to be able to understand the culture of what the movie is about, right? So he was not making a point of saying, well, I need a black director because of, you know, social justice and for equity and because, uh, you know, there's not enough black directors. He was saying, I need a black director to film this because only black people really know uh, what it's like to be black and, and what black culture is. Because there is such thing as a black culture. Um, it's not universal, nothing is, um, but it's, it's a generality, right? And he says, what, a hot comb or whatever? I, I don't know what that means, right? I've never, I don't know what that, the little, you know, like, I'm not even, I don't know. And so that right there uh, kind of makes his point, right? Distinguish between culture and color. Culture is way more, so much more important than your skin color, 100%. Um, 
because your skin color does not necessarily determine who you are as a person. Not even not necessarily, it doesn't. It, 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 it's a, a trait about your body that is just how you look, right? It's like, oh, you know, I wear size 12 shoes, so therefore I must be like this. Or I'm tall, so I'm like this. Or I have blonde hair, I'm like this. Um, no, those are just attributes that are physically describing you. That's pretty much it. Um, so I like I like that clip, and there's other clips I want to play in the future of Denzel, because uh, I I think he's a he's not only an excellent actor, but he is a, a good speaker and a, um, a, a free thinker, really. And I like that. Next thing I want to talk about uh, could be a little controversial depending on where you fall on the spectrum of politics. Um, but it really shouldn't be. Um, no matter where, what, you know, what side you, you know, what, what, who you vote for, uh, you should listen to this and uh, come away with the same conclusion that, that I came away with. Um, and what I'm talking about is uh, Ben Shapiro was on Late Night with I think that's what the show is called, Late Night with Bill Maher. I'm not sure. The Bill Maher show, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I don't watch it. Um, but he was on there. And there's a, this short clip I want to play. Um, and it was Ben Shapiro and someone called, what, Michael, I think it's Michael Nance is his name. Uh, Malcolm Nance is his name. So I had never heard of this guy. I'd never seen him in my life. Um, apparently he is on other news networks and stuff. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, and I don't really care. <clears throat> and, and the reason I'm saying this is because of what I'm about to play for you. So I'm going to play it and then, uh, I'm going to give my reaction. And it might be an obvious reaction. I'll try to keep it short. Um, cause there's one more thing I want to talk about before we close it out. Um, but he here it is. The Nobody question is, wait, how do we... What do we do to address them? I th what I these are wonderful. real statistics. So I want to cut in and give some context. Um, there's an, another clip that I had uh, pulled down, but I'm not going to play it because it's, it's just added uh, more time. But some context about what Bill is referring to are statistics that he read out earlier about the... <clears throat> disparities between black and white people some of them are ridiculous i mean they're they're all they're all true i guess i mean again it's like people will read stats but won't cite where they got their stats from right because if i told you you know uh aquafina water um gives you cancer um you know there's a there's a correlation statistically uh, you have a 12% chance of increased chance of getting cancer if you drink Aquafina. And then if you just believe me, then I'm cool. I won. But then if I told you, well, I, I got that off of some like, you know, I don't know, like in Google, if you go to like page 10 forum and I scroll down to like the 44th post or whatever that I read some dude say that. So that's where I get my stats from. But that's the context that he's referring to. He's talking about giving these stats and stuff. What should we do about it? So that's some context. 
you think we should address them, you think we should address them, right? The question is, what are we doing about it? Because if, race, if critical race theory means making children in school fixate on race, I'm not for that. If it makes, if it's about collective guilt, I didn't do anything to your great-great-great-grandfather. I don't want to be responsible for that. If it's about, you know, a toxicity of just from being born white, uh, if it's about dividing everybody into oppressor and oppressive, oppressed and oppressor, I'm not for that. So there are things that are being taught and are going around that I'm not for, that if that was critical race theory, I wouldn't be for. I agree with you, and I don't think that's critical race theory. But it's being, I, okay. No, no, well, I think again, what's happened here is that, I think that what's happened here as this, this terminology, sort of like defund the police, has been hijacked and been framed around the left as that they want to do all this, they want to rip down the, right, the so, entire social fabric of America and they want us to be guilty well, about everything. I want you to teach history. I had a lot of people in the military, okay. hold on, I had a lot of people in the military, senior officers who had to make life and death decisions who were total morons about the cultures and institutions right, so, and so, countries we were going into and people died because so of that. I have a question. I don't need that here. If we agree that history should be taught, why are you defending critical race theory, which is not history? Did I not just say a moment ago that I think that term has been hijacked and that's not okay, what we're so talking about? Okay, so let's say critical race theory. I'm going to go right. back and repeat that I didn't say that. Okay. You, you, you are uh, literally defending critical race theory by redefining it as just teaching history, which is a cheap semantic trick and you know it. Is this right. what you do on your show because it sucks? <laughs> I see. You know, it, it, Malcolm, I appreciate that, but sure I, I, will, I, will, I will comfort myself sure tonight by sleeping on my bed made of money. I'm sure why I wanted to play this clip were, was for two reasons. Uh, Malcolm Nance comes off, when you, when you resort to personal attacks in, a, in you know, quote unquote, a debate, uh, that's, you've lost, right? That, I mean, that's like a no-go in debating 101. You, you never insult the other person that you're debating personally. When he says, like, is this what your show's like? Because it must suck. What do you mean it must suck? He has millions of listeners every day on his show. Um, he's extremely successful, way more successful than you. So I guess to you, Malcolm, it might suck, but um, I would love to know what you think doesn't. And then that combined with Ben's response, because in the video, obviously can't show you that in podcast form, but in the video, you could see Ben is mad, right? I mean, who wouldn't be? He just said, like, he said it so, like, I don't, you know, douchery, uh, so douche-like, um, that Ben is sitting there just seething. He's just mad. You, you could see him just staring at Malcolm, just like, what am I going to say, you know? I, got, I, I can't just let that slide, you know? And then he says, like, I'm going to... I mean, I'm really going to take that to heart and comfort myself on my bed made of money, um, which is a kind of a, a nuclear bomb dropped on Malcolm, right? You, you know, because he's, he's not even really insulting anybody. He's, you know, saying the fact that he, he is very successful, uh, which I would assume means he has a, a lot of wealth. Um, but then you, you can't help but then think about Malcolm and, uh, how he's probably, you know, doing all right, but not like Ben. 
So I like Ben's response um, there. Uh, it, it was it was justified, I think. I think if Ben had started with a personal attack, it'd be a little different. But the fact that the guy he's debating uh, goes to a personal attack that has nothing to do with what they're talking about um, is uncalled for. And on top of that, uh, in the, earlier in the show, Ben Shapiro gives his description of CRT, and Malcolm says, yeah, that's it. I agree, 100%. That, that's what it is. And so what I'm going to do now is read some of the uh, common themes of critical race theory as documented by Richard Delgado and John... I'm not even going to try to say that last name. Uh, Critique of liberalism, classic liberalism. So, critical race scholars question foundational liberal concepts such as the Enlightenment, rationalism, legal equality, the Constitution, and uh, challenge the incrementalist approach of traditional civic rights discourse. They favor a race-conscious approach to social transformation. Um, They want, so this says here, criticism of civil rights scholarship and anti-discrimination law. Brown versus Board of Education. So if you don't know what Brown versus Board of Education is, it was a Supreme Court case uh, argued in December 9th, 1952. And it... uh, stated that separate but equal is not really how it's working out. And so it it allowed black people to integrate into white schools, basically. And according to critical race theory, they look at that and they argue that civil rights advances for black people coincided with the self-interest of white elitists. Um, I, I... I don't understand how board versus Brown versus Board of Education like coincided with uh, the self-interest of white elitists. What did the white elitists have to gain by that? I don't know. Um, so their their ultimate conclusion is that the U.S. government support for civil rights le- legislation was motivated in part by the concern that racial discrimination harmed the United States foreign relations. <clears throat> yep, that's. That's yep, that's true. Um, and then some of their more radical um, stances are um, non-white cultural nationalism slash separatism. And it's the exploration of more radical views that argue for separation and reparations as form of foreign aid, including black nationalism. Another important point of CRT is the acknowledgement that racism is a normal feature of society and is embedded within systems and institutions. So that first part, racism is a normal feature of society. That means there's no avoiding it. Um, It's everywhere at all times. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit or God himself. It is inherent to all societies and it's all race-based. So no matter what you do, your system, your country, your ideologies, what you believe, 
if you're not a person of color, they're based in race, which means you're a racist. This says that CRT recognizes that racism is codified in law, embedded in structures, and woven into public policy. Um, it rejects the claims of meritocracy. Um, so for, for those of you who don't know what meritocracy is, I'll, I'll look up the definition. Um, a government or the holding of power by people selected on the basis of their ability. Uh, one of the uh, one of the biggest examples I can think of of uh, is the NBA, right? It's sports in general, right? When you have a race, uh, you win by being the fastest. You get rewarded on your merit, which is how fast you can run. Uh, but according to the, you know, one of the founders of CRT, uh, Kiara Bridges, um, they, they reject meritocracy or colorblindness. They obviously, I mean, that makes sense. They want race to be right in your face. So you can't be colorblind. That doesn't fit into their narrative. My last point on this, and this is according to the AmericanBar.org that describes CRT, because that's where you learn CRT is in law school. Um, so here are some foundational questions that underline CRT. Um, how has the law protected racism and upheld racial hierarchies? How does the law reproduce racial inequality? And how can the law be used to dismantle race, racism, and racial inequality. Um, I mean, it's a, this is a lengthy article, um, but that's that's my last point because kind of harkens back to what Larry Elder said is that in 2021, right? And CRT was started like in the 70s, 80s, uh, and it's an offshoot of critical theory, which is an offshoot of Marxism just so you know the lineage there where they're coming from right they, they want to replace what marxism thinks right is you know the difference in classes the poor and the rich and they're like you know no 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 you know we'll, we'll still kind of you know poor and rich but it's more about race right you're poor because you're black right but it, what larry elder said and my response to that would be in 2021 Name me an institution, public or private, doesn't matter, that is racist on purpose. Like that is what, I mean, even on accident, just racist in general, right? Any fast food restaurant you go to, you feel like uh, black people, like they would turn away a black person, a bank, any bank, they would turn them away. I mean, even colleges. The score needed if you're a person of color, um, except for if you're Asian, because uh, I guess they don't count. Um, for you to be accepted into college, um, just any college, uh, is that, um, oh, at seven highly selective universities uh, from 1997, um, Asians have to score, they, they, I mean, they basically get a 140 point penalty. They have to score 
140 points higher than the average score that they would accept just because they're Asian. That's it. If you're Hispanic, you can score 130 points less and still get accepted. And then if you're black, that number is 310. So you, um, you have a much higher likelihood of being accepted if you are black going to college. Um, but the stats are pretty clear that um, white people do better on the SATs than black people. Um, and yet 95% of all black people vote Democrat who are very against school choice. I talked about this in a recent podcast. Um, and that would alleviate the problem at least um, and help some of these kids out, right? Because, you know, you have districts that are, with, that are heavily populated with minorities and they're poor and the school that they go to sucks and has no incentive of getting better. It's just babysitting your kid and then uh, maybe they'll learn something. Whereas if they're a school choice, maybe they could uh, escape uh, that district that's poor and uh, has crappy schools and go to a, a charter school or a white person's school where they do a lot better. All right, one more thing I want to talk about. Uh, I had planned on talking about uh, a speech that was given about children uh, deciding their own gender or sex or whatever you want to call it, whatever is the right term to use nowadays. Um, but uh, it's like, yeah, we, we can save that for maybe the next episode or something like that. And there are other clips that I wanted to play that I think I'll just save for later. Uh, I want to end the podcast on just a, a personal story. Uh, the last time I went fishing was years ago like multiple years ago and uh we caught one fish in like four hours so that's just you know some of the part, part of the risk of uh fishing right if, you, if you're if you are going out to fish and you're expecting to like catch something uh that you're doing it wrong you probably shouldn't go fishing um part of the fun is casting out and taking that chance every time and uh, if you use like a bobber or something, just kind of reel it in slowly, look at it. And then that excitement and like rush you feel when it sinks under, like that something took it, it takes it from, and you pull and you start reeling in to see what you got. Um, so it's been years since I've gone fishing. But I made plans uh, tonight, um, which is Wednesday night, um, to go fishing with a buddy of mine. He just ha so happens to live literally right across the street from a big old pond that uh, they, like, I don't, I'm not sure what the term is. They've, like, filled it with fish. Um, but we're not sure how long ago that was. And so I, between the two of us, I was the only person who caught something. I caught two things. Um, one, not good. One, good but funny. Uh, my buddy uh, got a couple bites here and there, um, but didn't catch anything. And we started pretty late in the, uh, I guess, evening. So we didn't have a lot of time to 
try and um, really work our way around the pond because it's, it's a pretty big pond. Um, so for me, the first thing that I caught, it was probably my second cast. Uh, there was an abnormally high amount of turtles in this, in this lake pond thing. And, you know, generally my experience with turtles is that they're pretty scared of you. And they want to avoid you. Um, and you think that's kind of how it would work with the bobber hitting, causing all this commotion. Um, and so I see a little turtle head swimming over my bobber. And before he gets there, he goes under and disappears. I'm like, oh, okay. He's gone. And then maybe, you know, 30 seconds passes and my, my little bobber sinks, goes under. So I'm like, holy crap. And I pull, I start reeling, feels pretty heavy. I'm getting it. It's coming in. I'm looking and it's a freaking turtle. And, and it's not a casual hooking or anything. I didn't catch him barely. He straight up ate my bait. Like he's, the, the hook was in there. And I don't know if you know much. I don't know what kind of turtle it was. It wasn't huge or anything. Um, but anytime you would try to like pull, like first of all, he would retract into his shell, which made it hard to get access to the, to the hook to try to get it out. And uh, anytime when, you, when we could get his head to come out, uh, my buddy would try to take pliers and get it, and the turtle would like snap at him. And it was just was like, well, it, you know, this is an unfortunate event, uh, unintentional, uh, but still unfortunate. So we just cut and left it, you know, I, like, what else am I supposed to do? You know, he doesn't know I'm trying to help him. Um, he shouldn't have ate it in the first place. So if I really want to blame somebody, I can blame the turtle, but I mean, he's a turtle. So, um, once that happened, anytime I saw turtles near my bobber, I reeled in, moved somewhere else, cast it. Um, and so, uh, after cutting that, I had to get a new hook and tie it up and set that all up. And then there was a problem with my line. It was all like nesty and jacked up. So I had to just cut the bad part out. Uh, that worked fine. And so once I was able to, there was a big gap in between the turtle thing and my next cast. Um, but I, you know, my buddy starts moving down the right side, like to my right, down the, the, the bond. And you know, it's not like you want to fish like directly next to each other. So I moved the opposite direction. And I cast maybe like, I think it might have been my first cast or my second or something like that pretty early on. I throw it out there. It sits there for a second. I reel it in a little bit, give it a little bit of movement, and I stop. And then I do a little reeling, and I stop, you know. And uh, I'm sitting there, and then the bobber sinks, shoots under. And then you, I get that rush and that excitement of fishing. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is this a turtle? You know, because you know, if this is a freaking turtle, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. Um, I, we're definitely going to have to find a different place to fish, I guess. But I'm reeling it in, and it is a fish. Um, the only thing is, and I can tell what kind it was, it's a brim. I don't know if you know what a, if people know what that is, but, you know, and I, I'm not even sure if it's pronounced brim because it's, it's spelled like bream, but I, I, I know that's not like what you say. Um, 
but according to Britannica.com, the average size of your typical bream or brim um, length about 12 to 20 inches and weight 13 pounds. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever caught uh, that um, and it's ever been that big. So, uh, but the one that I uh, caught, um, I mean, could could barely be, I think, interpreted. Okay, so this maybe it's a bluegill. Maybe that's uh, what I what I caught because those seem a, a little bit more, <clears throat> a little bit a little bit better because. Uh, they can grow up to 12 inches and about four to four and a half pounds. Um, and that's what I'm used to because I've caught a lot of brim before and uh, they kind of look like bluegills when I'm on Google Images. Um, and, it, and it looks kind of similar to the one that I caught. But I'm saying all this because what I caught was probably the tiniest fish I've ever caught. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think back, way back in my childhood when when I fished there, if I caught anything smaller. You know, my buddy was down the, the other side of the pond and I pull it up and I'm like, hey, look at this. And he can't, he, he can't see it, it's too small. Doesn't even know where it, what it is. And so we get over there and this thing is probably like three, inches for like definitely smaller than my hand like I, I i think it would fit in my palm that's how small it was but you know what i'm not gonna do is uh not be thankful that i caught something because it could i could have been my buddy and not caught anything turtle nothing at least the turtle was exciting and it was interesting um but just casting over and over again and not catching anything that sucks it sucks real bad, but it's just part of fishing, you know. Part part of why people go fishing is the peace, tranquil, you know, tranquility, to even meditate. Um, the reason I like to go fishing is some of the peace, you know, being in nature, being outside, even if it's hot or whatever. Um, it's just that it, that every time you cast is a chance for you to catch a fish, um, even though you know the odds are not in your favor. Still got a chance. That was like it's a, it's almost like gambling, um, and obviously we catch and release. You know what? What am I gonna do with this thing? You know what I mean? Like uh, he, I mean he had to have been very young, very small fish, um, but he he ate the bait in such a perfect way. The way fish should do it, the way you hope that they do it, is it just you know barely kind of got into his lip. You know which doesn't really hurt them, doesn't affect them long-term, doesn't really do anything to them. And uh, so he got a little bit of worm, um, and I was able to get the hook out, put it back in the water, and he was on the way just fine. So, uh, yeah, I, I, fi- you know, I just figured I'd finish on that, you know. So it, it kind of got me into wanting to fish maybe as a hobby just by myself. Um, but it's also something that I think would be interesting to try out with other people you know my buddy again 
um, find different spots. So I, uh, I need to Google, uh, you know, good fishing spots near me, and uh, see what we'll see what's available, and just, just go and try. You know, um, you're not gonna, you know, have a winner every time, but at least it'll be fun for me. So, you know, I just want to close it out on that. Uh, something other than politics or Larry Elder or race or something, any any of those things. Um, just trying to keep it light, easy and breezy. You know what I mean? So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I, I like making it. Um, I had a lot more audio clips planned, but I don't want the length of the podcast to be like two and a half hours because uh, I wouldn't even listen to that. You know what I mean? So thanks for listening. Um, as always, come, come find me on Spotify. Um, I guess I've never really said that, but yeah, I'm on Spotify. I'm working on getting on other platforms as well, but Spotify is where I post them. And so uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and I will see you guys in the next one.